Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker, I think. And together, we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Zeke? Zeke? Are you here? We don't have Zeke. I, I, I don't know where he is right now. Actually, I do. At this point, everyone, it's important for you all to know that Zeke is either going to have the baby any second or he has already had his second baby and therefore tonight he is not with me but have no fear everyone I know you don't want to listen to me the whole time so I did bring a guest along to talk to me and tonight we have Andy Lang from Leatherwood Spirits in Pleasant View Tennessee thank you so much for spending some time with us you are actually in Zeke's seat Right now, I hope you know that. Oh, I feel powerful. <laughs> I, I don't know why he doesn't feel powerful in that seat. But thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's it's not often we get to spend time with someone um, that a is a heck of a lot cooler than either one of us put together. <laughs> but b you you know you own and operate your own distillery that even makes you even cooler than how you got to where you were. So. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. And and your distillery, you you guys have been open since 2017, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So we're actually hitting our one year anniversary this month. Are, are we having a party? We are having a party. It's on the 14th and 15th. 14th and 15th. Are, are there tickets or is it just show up? No, nah, just show up. So if this is the third, this will be out by the 10th. So anybody that lives in middle Tennessee... Going down to Leatherwood on the oh, 14th yeah. and 15th, right? Yeah. Well, congratulations on your first year. There's some great stuff we have in front of us. Uh, there's a snake eater bourbon. There is an apple pie moonshine that we are are sipping on. And I never thought I'd say we'd be sipping on this and, and we'll get to it. But this is just so good. And then we have the Sweet Feed Spirits, which... <laughs> I want to talk about this one for a long time. <laughs> it's pretty good. But um, but tell the folks a little bit about yourself because you actually had an interesting path to becoming a distiller and a, a distillery owner, correct? Yeah. So uh, I just retired from uh, from the army uh, last June, a few months before uh, before we opened the distillery. Uh, I was a Green Beret for twenty six years. Um. One of the cool parts to all this is uh, we had a little deployment still that we would take with us. And uh, one of my uh, buddies that helped build the uh, distillery, uh, Masood Razi, great dude, um, he used to go downtown in uh, Afghanistan and get sugar and grain and all the stuff we needed. For those of you that are, are listening, Andy and I have been talking, the, the stuff that I've heard is incredible. So, Andy, you made you smuggled a still over there because you're not supposed to have alcohol no. in in a Muslim country. No. Um, not only did you smuggle a still over there, you made your own alcohol, and you had your your interpreter uh, help you go get the ingredients to make this alcohol. Yeah. You had a whole scheme going on where you would ship yeast out before you even yeah. uh, hit your deployment, <laughs> right? So yeah. like you so so tell the folks I, I I have some questions about this, but tell the folks a little bit about how you made this work over there, uh knowing that you were unlimited 
ingredients and and limited space and and aging and you know what did you even age it in yeah no we didn't age nothing we were making rum so we were just making a sugar shine basically sugar yeast and water ferment like a wine basically uh we'd ferment it in uh army water cans <laughs> put a little put a little piece of surgical tubing over the top and stick it in a bucket of water for an airlock um and why does it sound like you're making prison gin it is it, that's exactly what it was <laughs> but yeah so did you get a whole copper still over there or was it well yeah so i had a uh i had a copper tube column still it was small it was about six feet tall um, and it would actually clamp onto a beer keg. And the beer keg was our kettle. So we put the mash in there and then you could tri clamp the, the copper tube on the top. And then you would just run it like a pot still, basically. So did you have to worry though? Because obviously, if you were going off and doing green beret stuff, you you couldn't necessarily take the, the still with you. No. So you would have yeah. to leave it at camp, right? Sure. But everybody kind of protected it probably because they knew that you were the guy making <laughs> the shine, right? Yeah. You know, and we, we, we never let it get out of control. You know what I'm saying? It was, we'd make it every once in a while. Yeah. We just, you it know. Was a, it was a good break. It was you a good had, break. You got yeah. football on the, the Armed Forces TV. Yeah. And you, exactly. you guys got some shine yeah. to. So what did you, you didn't age it, right? Yeah. Because it's going right in the, in the army canteen. Yeah. So you didn't age it. It's going right through that. What? You just mix it with juice. Juice? Yeah. Like orange juice? Yeah, orange juice or rippets, you know, whatever. <laughs> you and those energy drinks. Yeah. yeah um, right? <laughs> but I find that so interesting and and so cool just in the sense of, and, and I don't want anybody to take that the wrong way, but it it's more of just ingenuity is born out of necessity. Kind of cool way, not in like you're stuck in the desert and, oh, it's cool you made. But the the fact that you were able to do this and and now it's turned into a career outside of the military for you, you know, it's cool that it turned into this. But it's cool that, you know, if you guys were able to get some sort of entertainment from your makeshift still, then so be it and and uh i'm glad you guys got that out there in the heat yeah. um what what was the the driving factor then when you got out because i'm sure everybody said they liked it and what pushed you to then open the distillery yeah so you know i had i had no plans of opening a distillery ever um you know i was planning on getting out like every, every other green beret does and going to get a contract job working for Somebody basically doing mercenary work and getting paid to do what I was still doing. Well, I have a buddy. Uh, his name's Mike O'Neill. He uh, he he owns the property around my farm, and he he loved what I was making. And uh, he had some friends who had a little bit of financial backing, and I was getting ready to retire. And he was like, "Hey, you know what? We should open a distillery." I was like, "You can't just open a distillery." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you just don't do that. He's like, well, you might be surprised how easy it is. So I looked up, figured out how to do it, do all licensing and stuff. And he found he found the people that wanted to help invest in it. And Well, that's awesome. And, and we always enjoy talking to people that are, are just kind of figuring it out. Because it's not like you're somebody who came up 
through you're not a beam or a rustle you it's not right. coming down and and being passed from generation to generation so you had to figure a lot of stuff out along the way what's the biggest thing you learned throughout the way and what's one thing you really nailed not to make this sound like an interview yeah but- no. i know i think i i got lucky you know my my drive and my work ethic coming from the military you know it's open-ended distilleries uh just 16, 17 hours a day. I think the one thing that I've learned is I didn't know anything about business, marketing, um, any of that stuff. You know what I mean? I just, I knew how to make pretty good booze. People liked it. Um, and I knew I could sell it, but I didn't know how to sell it. And I'm still trying to figure it out now. You know what I mean? Thankfully, middle Tennessee is a very welcoming place for, uh, whiskey. So, you know, it, it is something that, how far is it from Nashville proper? Uh, 23 minutes. So guys, 23 minutes right outside of town, you know, you have Corsair, Belmead, Nashville Craft, Pennington, you have H. Clark all in the area, but Leatherwood might be one of those places that you want to go check out now because we'll talk about the whiskey. It, it's pretty damn good, especially for when you, when you taste it and then you hear how much he's aged it. It's not a, a particularly old whiskey, but it doesn't have those nuances. You have that citrusy aspect that I get with a lot of young whiskey, but it's not off-putting. It's not too astringent. You know, what's something you do during the distilling process that kind of cuts that, you know, almost gasoline light. Right. So the biggest thing is, you know, keeping our, all of our copper super clean is key. Um, One of the big things for having a really good distillate is keeping that still clean. Uh, You get a lot of oils coming out of the grains and stuff. And if you don't clean them oils off almost every day, you're going to get some of that stringent flavors into your distillate. It's also prior to that. It's part of the fermenting and cooking the grains down, hitting those right temperatures for each grain to pull those sugars out and then keeping that constant temperature while it's fermenting. I think all that together goes in how you get something that's, you know, really smooth. So obviously you you made this, you know, this is birthed out of Afghanistan, but as as you... uh, before you went over, before you were deployed, or even while you were deployed, what were your influences whiskey-wise? What was it that you were drinking that kind of influenced you when you made yours? So, first of all, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say America. Yeah, I used to drink Jack. I was a Jack fan, you know, Jack and Coke, just Jack Daniels. One of the cool things that I always thought knew about Jack Daniels: every country I went to. You could always get a Budweiser and a Jack Daniels. Any country you go to, right? So that's that's kind of how I started. <laughs> um, and I actually started making wine and beer, but I don't drink wine and beer. <laughs> I was making it for my friends. And then I go out and buy a bottle of whiskey. I said, nah, you know what? I got to fix this. Yeah. And that's why I figured out how to make a, build my own still. And I made about two years of really horrible stuff. You couldn't even drink it. But they probably drank it anyway, right? Well, yeah, we drank it anyway. So you have some good <laughs> good recipes of what to actually make a good cocktail. We've got of. a lot of recipes of what not to do. Too. Yeah, you can find some <laughs> shitty whiskey, and, but if you put it with pineapple juice, it's exactly. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is I always say this to people, um, it's tough being a University of Kentucky grad 
and now living in Tennessee because I have tremendous state pride for uh, Kentucky having graduated from there. And tremendous, I mean, I've lived in Tennessee now for over, you know, 11 years. You know, this is my home. I love it here. Jack Daniels. So when you graduate from Kentucky, here's the one thing is everybody says, and technically I'm not getting us into the whole, is it a bourbon? Is it not a bourbon thing? But whenever you say, what house bourbon do you have? And someone goes, oh, well, I have Jack Daniels. And and you were living in Kentucky. It's just that thing that makes you go, oh, stop it. When I was living in Kentucky, you don't want to call Jack Daniels bourbon because of bourbon. But then when you live in Tennessee, you don't want to call Jack Daniels bourbon because it's Tennessee whiskey. And it's we Tennessee fought, straight whiskey. You know, and we yeah. fought hard to uh, have a state law here that, that says it's Tennessee state whiskey. So I always find that Jack conversation a fun one because you're either going to, you know, depending on what side you are, yep. you don't want it to be bourbon for a different reason, but nobody wants it to be bourbon. You know, all these laws and rules of what you can call bourbon and what you can call Tennessee straight whiskey or straight this and that. It's it's all the same stuff. It is. You know, and we don't drink something. I got a good buddy, Dave Pudlow. He was the chief of uh, education up at Maker's Mark, right? He, 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 he told me something one time. He's like, we don't call bourbon bourbon because that's what it is. We drink it because that's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, who cares what you call it? Yeah. It's it's made out of grain. It's, put some yeast in it, you ferment it, and you run it through a still, and you make something that's just awesome. It's just really, really good at the end of the day. But I always find that funny, though. You know what? I'm a Green Beret and a Ranger, and like, for 20 years, the only bourbon I drank was mixed with Coke. You know what I mean? Which is completely okay. Yeah. And and that's kind of our thing at the distillery too. You drink it how you want to drink it. Well, and that's I don't f- care. We're firm believers here on Dad's Drinking Bourbon that you want to put an ice cube in, you put an ice cube in. You want you, you want it neat, drink it neat. We drink it neat purely because we're lazy, and that's what we, <laughs> you know. It is. I resemble that comment. It is a lot of effort to go get some ice to put it in. And then, you know, am I taking something away that I really liked? And it's like, you know, my wife gives me crap all the time because I like vanilla ice cream. And I know I like vanilla ice cream. And I'm just not going to order something different because I know it's really good. (laughs) I know I like whiskey neat. Why am I going to mess with it? True. Yeah. So you like Jack or you had. you. you I used to like Jack. Like that was my thing. So yeah. what made what made you change then from that? It was actually just starting to make it myself and kind of learning what goes into different flavors that you get out, you know. And I also realized, and you know, nothing against the big guys, but it, it's really hard for them, you know, a huge distillery that makes a thousand gallons of mash. Well, they can't they can't cook their corn at one temperature. They can't cook their freaking weed at another temperature. And keep cutting it down each each grain they put in there. It's it's impossible, you know. Being small, we're we're able to do that kind of stuff, you know. And that's you know that's kind of where I learned to get nicer flavors out of the grain. And I think that's something that with craft distilleries, it's it's you can't compete. You can't try to compete with nah. a Jack, or you can't compete with a Heaven Hill or a maker's mark. But what you can do 
And Corsair, I think, in town does this very, very well, is they do unique, you know, they have the, the exactly. quinoa mash. They have, you know, rye mageddon. They have their pumpkin spice. Yeah. The, you know, it's they're finding a way to carve their own path. Yeah. While maintaining uh, a following because they're putting out good stuff. Right. And um, I, I think when you... You can't compete. Some of these distilleries have been here since pre-prohibition, and it's very hard to, to go up against that machine. Yeah, you're not going to. Yeah. So don't even try. But do what you do right, what you do well, and just keep going with it. And the the other thing I want to get into, and we'll, we'll talk about the tasting notes. I've, I've said that a couple times, but you, as you told me what was in your ingredients... You know, for the sweet feed, you said it's yellow corn winter wheat, right? For the the snake eater bourbon, you said it is white corn and winter wheat. Now, Zeke is kicking himself. I can tell you when he listens to this episode, <laughs> he's going to be so upset because we've wanted to get into these types of conversations on the grain. Mm-hmm. And I think you're a perfect opportunity to start. You, you're you're going to have to come back. I hope you know this. Um, Sign me up. But tell me a little bit about why would you use a white corn over a yellow corn, and and what goes into those decisions, and what's a you know why would you use a winter wheat over a summer wheat? Where where are you going with that? Okay, so I'm I'm more of a a, a sweet kind of a sweet bourbon fan, right? And white corn, you get a lot more sweetness than you do yellow corn. Yellow corn, you're going to get a lot more, I don't want to say harsh flavors, but more in-your-face kind of corn up front flavors. And that's why I went with the, uh, the, the winter wheat and the corn. And then with the sweet feed, everything else was sweet in there. So we had the, the winter wheat, we had the oats and the molasses. So I needed something to kind of cut that a little bit. And that's why we went with yellow corn. Because it gives you a little more, little more punch, you know. So what you're saying, at least from a corn point of view, the white's going to be sweeter. The yellow is going to be more of a grain forward, where you kind of taste more of the corniness. Right. Um, what about a red corn? Have you ever investigated I that? Yeah. So um, you ever heard of um, Wood Hat Distillery? Yeah, out of Missouri. Um, so I just met. One of the guys that owns that, he came in and he's got 100% red corn whiskey that he makes. And when I tried that, it that red corn, just take that yellow corn and bump it up a notch. And that's what you get from that red corn. You know, it's even more corn flavor. So, you're almost really dialing in if you think about the things that are going to affect and, and Bernie Lubbers from Heaven Hill always told us there's the distiller's rule of thumb and it it's a sliding scale. You know, some of it's going to be your aging process. Some of it's going to be your mash bill. Some of it is going to be the type of still you use. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you're taking aging out of it because your sweet feed spirits, you said you age for two weeks and then the snake eater, you're about seven, eight months, right? Right. So when it comes to aging, it's not really going to matter the rickhouse placement where you put it in there. We at this point, at this point, because we're so young and so new, we don't. I, I don't even try to use the word aging. I use a. It's a finishing process for us. Okay, you know what I mean. No, that that's that's fair. Yeah, but I think it's you're proving that 
you can really dial in the mash and it's if you make it a certain way the you could still have a young whiskey that tastes good right with the right components and and i think you know and that's hard too because a lot of a lot of whiskey and bourbon drinkers if they don't see four six eight years on the label they're not going to touch it yeah. You know, and I think they might be missing out on some things because there, there's a few places that make some really young bourbons that are, they're pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I know I've talked to you about them for a while. Um, Heath Clark down and, and it's something I wish I had a bottle of that tonight because I got to make sure that, that you get some of that. But his were two years. Now he's aging, start, starting to age them more and more. But he almost, he was a, a, a beer distiller first Mm -hmm. so all of his stuff has a very heavy oat and malt aspect to it where it's young but it's you know and and it's still a year you know older than than what we have on the table here but it's got that maltness to it like his rye is amazing his rye is straight malted peanut brittle and that's cool um just really unique things and a unique perspective on it being a uh, a beer first guy, right? It's really cool to listen to how you dial in the those uh, temperatures where you're cooking it for each one, and and yeah. I mean that obviously has to take a lot of time. I mean, what is the price point that we're looking at for what we have on the table at our distillery? The bourbon's forty four. You know, we're not we don't even have our bourbon out in the stores yet. Um, I think in October, we're going to start hitting the stores. And I think it's going to be around 38 bucks. The age is not going to wow you. I think the whiskey inside will wow you. But yeah. that price for what a craft distillery can do, first off, just from the whiskey community everywhere, thank you. Because $38 compared to what you could put it out there for uh, being a craft distillery, I, and that's a refreshing thing to hear it is you know and i i've had some sit downs with my distributor and we've talked about it and uh you know they have guys craft distillers come out with a 55 60 bottle that nobody's tried before and you know it ends up sitting on the shelf but if somebody walks in sees something new and they're like oh 38 bucks i'll try that and if it's good they'll come back and they'll buy more that's that's kind of the way i'm looking at it no, and they'll they'll be more apt to go after your other stuff. And then if you yeah. you might have one that you spent a lot of time on, and you want to price it sixty bucks. Right. If they know that that you have a reputation of putting out good stuff, they've tried your other stuff at thirty eight. Okay, then they'll go for the one that's sixty that was aged an extra four years or yeah. had this extra finishing process to it or something that made it unique. And we're gonna keep doing different stuff also you know what i mean like so i've got a buddy he's a green beret retired he's he opened a brewery in clarksville star spangle brewing company so i give him my barrel after i pull the bourbon out he puts an american strong ale in it ages it and then he gives me the barrel back and i stick my rum in it so now now you're getting a rum that's aged in a bourbon barrel that also had american strong ale in it and you know what I'm saying? That that thing's going to come out as a pretty pretty high price. Tell you know? your buddy he needs to put some stouts, though. 
Oh, he's got some pretty awesome stouts, too. We need some stouts and some bourbon (laughs) barrels. That's where it's at for me. He does a, uh, what's it called? I think he calls it Winchester, (laughs) which is the code word on... Uh, for us when you're out of ammo. Oh, really? Yeah. He <laughs> does a Winchester. That's a style. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, little stuff like that. And uh, it's it, it's cool that I'm going to be able to bring these barrels back and put either my rum in it. And maybe I'll put some bourbon in one of those. Well, and then you, you know? got to find somebody else that does coffee because bourbon aged uh, coffee is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, th- That's always something fun to do. Let's move on here. So yeah. all the places, uh, it's crazy that you know, we talked about where this came from, but let's talk about the actual spirits that we have on the table. I, I want to talk about the one to the right, the yeah. last. Yeah. Let's talk about the bourbon first. It is a snake eater bourbon whiskey. It's 42.5% ABV, 85 proof, aged seven and a half months in a 15-gallon barrel, 62% corn, 28% wheat, and 10% malted barley. I'll let you say uh, anything you want before I, I go in a little more depth in the tasting notes that I got on this. But Honestly, I'd, I'll just tell you about the label. Um, I'm pretty proud of this label. Um so our this label, the cross arrows, um, this is the Special Forces crest, right? So our regiment has a crest that we wear on our lapel, on our dress uniforms. This is the outline of the crest. The cross arrows come from the crest. Um, and then we just took out all the other information and put our own stuff in there with the, you know, leather wood and snake eater and all that. Um, and then on the back, um, instead of giving you a breakdown of our grains and all that, I just gave you the definition of snake eater. Should I read that for you? Yeah, go ahead and do that. So, uh, snake eater is a nickname given to a former member of the special forces. They're known for their ability to survive in any environment under any circumstances. No deed is too tough, too painful, or too rough for a snake eater to overcome. Anybody who's a Green Beret calls himself a snake eater. Really uh, awesome to see you pay homage that yeah. way. You know, it, it's a way with the Zeke gets on me, and and guys, if you're listening, I'll give myself hell for. But he always gets on me for marketing. Um, but I think when you, one of the things that I say is, it's like in an email. If somebody sends you an email and they have a bunch of typos on there, mm-hmm. I'm immediately going to dismiss your email. Because you haven't taken the time to proofread your email to me. Right. And if you put a bunch of typos in, I'm sorry. You could <laughs> kick my ass, so I, I don't care. That you well, know. I'm also a ranger, so I don't spell that well. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say about Zeke tries to tell me because I graduated from Kentucky, and I try to tell him because he graduated from Georgia that neither one of us is really. A- For a while, I'd send emails, and I normally we write rangers lead the way. I would write Ragnar's lead the way and people would send me back. They're like, that's not how you spell Ranger. I'm like, yeah, I know that. Thanks. I, the, the worst is when you're trying to type with your finger, like when you're trying to type on your phone and um, I, instead of best regards, I put like best regrets. Regerts. Regerts. Like the whatever. tattoo commercial. No regerts. No regerts. <laughs> but, um, but I always say it, it's when you have good marketing, somebody could 
you know, slap a post-it note on a, a glass bottle and say, this is my whiskey and <laughs> it's 90 proof. You should drink it. Right. And then I kind of look at it and say, if you don't take the time. Right. But when, when you look at this and when you look at what you've done with the, the labels that we have on here and, and knowing that it takes a lot to actually design a label and get it approved and go in front of the TTB and, and all that stuff. The fact that you can pay homage, it just proves that you care a little bit more. And then it, yeah. you know, without you coming out here on this podcast and saying, this is how much it means to me, you don't have to do that because your, your label tells me that. And that's the thing that I think Zeke, you know, I don't want to talk shit about him when he's not here, but I'm going to talk shit about him when he's not here. <laughs> that's the thing that I think he misses when I say that. It's, it's, you know, who, cares about their product who cares to yeah. go the extra mile for packaging or you know because if you're trying to sell me i need to feel wooed right. a little bit i yeah. need to feel like you care about your product and i think it's easy it just in the 30 minutes that we've been talking for anybody who's listening to understand that you do care about this product and that it means something to you at the end of the day sure you know and, and on top of all that um, we, we try to give money back to our different uh, nonprofit organizations like the Green Beret Foundation, uh, Chapter 38 Special Forces Association. You know, so the more bottles that I can sell, and if I have to use my veteran status to do that, that's the more money I can give back to those organizations who take care, and they take care of our veterans and our Green Berets that need help and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of, you know. It feels good to be able to, to give back to those organizations. Totally get that. I open this up again because I'm actually nosing from the bottle at the same time. But in full disclosure, I had some of these with you before we got on just so I could get my notes together and make a more yeah. uh, of a better flowing podcast. But on the nose on the snake eater, I got young citrus, but it wasn't too astringent. So a lot of people when and it took me probably about a year to pinpoint this with younger whiskeys as to what that nose is. And finally, I, I realized it's a citrus. And there's something that you always can kind of nose a whiskey and say, okay, I know that that has youth. And not saying that in a bad way, because I think at least with you, it's it's that like there's a fruit component to it, a citrus component, but almost like a molasses component to it that really cuts through anything that might be too astringent and it just becomes very sweet. Yeah. And it's that sweet citrus. It's not, we, we talked about this for a couple minutes before we, we actually started recording because it's not something that's going to burn your nose. It's not something that you smell it and you go, oh, this is young and it burns. It's astringent. It's just young and sweet, but it's a lot thicker for seven and a half months. Than yes, that's expect. what she said. <laughs> but it's a lot thicker for seven and a half months than you would, you would ever expect. You're right. Yeah. Oh. And that's most of the feedback we get. Uh, people come into the distillery and they try it and they're like, oh, this is this is good. Like, how many years is this? And I tell them it's, you know, seven months. And it, it kind of blows their mind. I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Pretty happy for that. The taste for me, 
citrus leather, a little bit of caramel in there. I think this one is not too complex for me. It's not, and I think that's because I've had the sweet feed and we're going right. to talk about that. Which is out of control. Um, I think it's a very simple, good whiskey. It's not a lot of frills. It's not going to... Um, easy going. Eat, great sipping easy whiskey. Yeah. We talked about it. It's uh, 85 proof, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice 85 proof, good sipping whiskey. It's not going to be something that at 85, I worry sometimes that things are too thin. Mm-hmm. It's not too thin for me at 85, and it's something that I like to call these the danger whiskeys because you're going to think, you're going to look at a label, an experienced person's going to say, oh, it's 85 proof, and, you know, it tastes okay, and, you know, I, I'll be okay having this all night, and then you have about four or five of them, and yeah. then that turns into six, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a little tipsy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, we, originally we were planning on doing 80. That first barrel that we put out at our at our tasting room was only three months old. And at 80, you poured it over the rocks and it disappeared. You know what I mean? There was no, you got no flavors out, no grain flavors, nothing. And that's why we boosted it up to 85. You know, after maybe a year or two years, you know, that, that number is going to change. So what's your goal for aging and, and all that with that one? So uh, next month, so we're doing a barrel a month. We're bottling a barrel a month right now. So it's going to get a little younger for about three months. And then once we hit two years, we'll start cracking open 53-gallon barrels. Um, we're just kind of kind of trying to phase it in from smaller to bigger and bigger barrels, you know. So bigger barrels, longer aging. Right. You know, for anybody saying that I'm being too easy on the aging thing right now, because some people might, I I think it's, you know, when you're starting a distillery, there's two ways you go. You either put out your own distillate and you know it's going to be a little young, you know, until you get to where you want to be, or you contract a still. Right. And each way is a, a way to go. There's sure. not one way that, you know, whatever way works for Andy is not the way that works for somebody else. And yeah. that's why I don't think you can judge it on, in this day and age, you can't judge it off of, you know, if somebody went out and bought 10-year MGP to start their their distillery or if somebody, you know, or yeah. in, in a Tennessee case, somebody went down to Dickel and bought a bunch of barrels of Dickel. Um, or went up to Heaven Hill. You know. a, lot of, a lot of it depends on your fin- financial situation, right? Yeah. Like if, you know, at some point later on, if I feel like I'm not meeting those expectations of my investors and we need to start bringing some money in, I might pull some MGP in and I'll blend it with mine, but I'll do it in a way where you know you're still getting my young bourbon. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you like, you said... Before we got on, you like young bourbon. Yeah. And and I, I think I've softened to it in the sense of... You know what? I'm a moonshiner. Like, yeah. I've been making moonshine for years. And that's kind of like what I like doing, you know? So even my whiskeys, like the Sweet Feed we'll get into, it's a moonshine whiskey, you know? And I kind of like that freaking... That, 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 it's almost, sometimes people call it a tequila hit. When you taste a young bourbon and you're like, oh, there's like a that citrusy, citrusy tequila yeah. hit to it. I like that. I think it's pretty cool. 
I think it took me a while to get there and now I can appreciate it. Yeah. Right? Like and and I have been I've been drinking whiskey for a long time and I mean it took me a while to warm up to that. Uh, and then once you realize you take it for what it is, it's going to be lighter, it's going to be citrusy and it's going to have And you do different things with it. Yeah. And and you realize that you know what every night I can't drink the same thing. Every once in a while I need yeah. a break. And and you look at it for what it is, and I love it. Look at it this way: I've got one of my investors, like he he's he's always loved my moonshines, like all the different flavors. You know, we have like a coffee cream moonshine. Like he's always loved them. When we started getting into bourbon, he doesn't like this because he's an he's a super high end bourbon guy. You know what I'm saying? So him to him that youngness, he just can't do it. He sees that we're selling. You know, we crack a barrel open, we fill 85 bottles, and they're gone in two weeks. You know, so he understands. It's, you know, it depends on the person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But let, let's move on and talk about the Sweet Feed Spirits, because this is yellow corn winter wheat, rolled oats, and dried molasses. It's 40% ABV and 80 proof. You age this, speaking of young, the other <laughs> one was seven and a half months. This is a two-week finishing process in American and French oak, oak barrels. Oak chips. Sorry, American and French oak chips. Yeah. So that is, man, this is really, I mean, the fact that it even has this brown tint to it, it's yeah. more of an amber than a brown, but the fact that it even has that at all in two weeks, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's the ratio of alcohol to wood. We try and do it where there's a lot more oak and a lot more, you know, a lot more wood than there is liquor. So it, it just, it really ages it really quick. Well, and this one, the the nose for me, it's crazy. I, and we were talking about, it's like a sweet barn. It's yeah. it, anybody who's done anything and, you know, I used to do things in the horse racing industry and, and being around the barns all the time. It's like, take the shit out of the barn and all the good <laughs> things about being in a barn. The hay and, and the, yeah. the the oats and yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to start it that way. No, that's you know, cool. I'm like, hey, let's right. talk about your whiskey. It doesn't smell take like shit. Take the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but, it's Okay. It's not <laughs> shitty, but it, you take all the good parts of, of, you know, you take the leather of the saddles and you take the oats and you take yeah. the the hay and, and just the grass and the air and you put it all in a bottle yeah. and you make it sweet. And that's what I think this bottle is. Yeah. Um, Anybody that owns horses, if you try this. It's going to take you back to when you're growing up and you're inside a barn somewhere feeding feeding one of your horses sweet feed because that's what it's made out of. And the cool thing about this, I mean, you said it's made out of sweet feed. Let, let's talk about this a little bit more. Like this is this is stuff that you can go into a grain store to feed your horse and go get. Right. right? Yeah. So I have to purchase all the grain separate. I can't, you know, I don't buy pre-mixed batches um, because... You know, you you got to you got to use really clean grain to make really good whiskey, right? But I used to, I used to when I made it myself at home, I would go in the feed store and I'd just buy a bag of sweet feed, 
Um, and anybody that has horses, it, they know it's corn, wheat, rolled oats, dried molasses. Um, and that's exactly what you told me was in this. So the original one has cotton seed and something else. When I submitted that to the TTB, they came back and said, hey, you can't make alcohol with cottonseed. There's something with the oils that doesn't react well with alcohol. Obviously, I couldn't write back and be like, I've been doing this shit for 15 years. You just can't tell. <laughs> and I've never had a problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like they write back and say, go see your doctor yeah. immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go get some x-rays, idiot. <laughs> You're growing plants right. So your I just body. took the cotton seed out and I buy all the grains separate now. Um, this is one of the oldest moonshine whiskey recipes out there. You can Google it. If you Google sweet feed whiskey... You'll get a hundred different recipes, and all the recipes are go buy a bag of sweet feed from the grain store and, and make whiskey it. out of it. <laughs> yeah, cook it down at 150 degrees, and but I, I buy the grains separate and I cook them all at the right temperatures. Again, going back to that the the right way to make a to make your mash bill and cook it down. I can't even pinpoint the taste because it's like vanilla. It's a thin coat. But this is only 80 proof, so it's not a thick coat, but it, it hit with so much like oak, wood, leather, fruit. There's so much that's actually in here. I, I, I get the different aspects of the feed yeah. with the oats and the. Everybody that tastes it like instantly says, wow, there's so much going on here. It's, I, can't, I can't really pinpoint what's happening. So there's so much that goes on in here. And then the finish is almost like fruity oat molasses that lingers. And and we were talking about that. Like, I'm like the fruity oat. And you're like, oh, yeah, but there's molasses in there. So it's like I was calling the fruity oat the molasses. It's crazy. I can't believe that this is two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It blows people's minds. So is this something that you are always expecting to yeah. kind of have yeah we're gonna always have it just always bang it out two weeks it'll be there yeah you know th- this is this is something i've been making so long i'll always have this and i love telling the story of why we make it you know what i mean like you know moonshiners can go into a freaking feed store and buy one bag of something and make whiskey out of it and it didn't look awkward versus going in and buying a bag of grain or a bag of corn, bag of wheat, this and that. So Can we stick this in USO boxes? No. Uh, Only if you put it in a Listerine bottle. Touche. <laughs> Just say. <laughs> Can we put like a do they check Which I might have done once or twice, Chris. But do they check it? Do they they actually check it if you wrote something on the Listerine bottle that says this is not Listerine? Well, yeah, they'll look at it. Like, they'll open it up? Yeah. But yeah. if it's... I'm not giving all the secrets away here, man. I, I just want to help. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't... You know. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this after. <laughs> we'll talk about this after. Exactly. One last thing on the the sweet feed. We were talking about proof and with the, the moonshine. And you, you always see moonshines that are proofed. And, and we're going to talk about your moonshine here in a second. They're always down to like 20 proof, the flavored ones that, yeah. that are out now. This sweet feed is almost like a moonshine. What it, It's 80 proof now. Would you ever put something out at 90, 100, 110? Yeah, you know, we might. Um, I'm going to have to try it. It's just we put it in the uh, oak at 120, 
And every day, I'll literally for two weeks, every day I'll go take a sip, try it. I'm trying it, making, and then, because you can over oak using chips really fast. And you can like one night too long and it's, it's done. So I'm used to getting that 120 proof. And to me, it's too much. You know, maybe, maybe we might do like a 95 or 105 or 100 proof, something like that, but we'll see. Well, that would be really cool. I'm happy to be your guinea pig whenever <laughs> we're whenever always you looking for it. guinea pigs. Um, <laughs> last but not least, you brought this apple pie, apple cinnamon moonshine, but it is a, instead of it being a vodka based moonshine, this is a rum based moonshine. It's 30% ABV, 60 proof. The I'm looking at this, there's a cinnamon stick and an apple actually in your bottle, yeah. which you don't get. With every moonshine. Right. Uh, This is pretty cool. What made you decide to do this type of moonshine? So the apple pie is obviously the classic moonshine that, you know, everybody does. Any moonshiner, any good moonshiner is going to make a decent apple pie. And they make it, you know, different themselves. Um, I, I, I loved being able to stick a cinnamon stick in there and putting it in the freezer and let it sit for five, six months. You know, because then when you taste it, you're getting just apple and straight cinnamon. It's almost like a fireball shot. You know what I mean? But it, it's a little, it, it looks a little bit cooler than yeah. drink it out of a fireball bottle. Yeah. And then when you get done, you can freaking uh, take a bite of that apple and pretty much pass out. So it's... Because <laughs> <laughs> it soaks up a lot of alcohol. I almost missed that. <laughs> but good to know. Duly noted yeah. that I'm going to sit on this one and, and have to come back to that. Um, how many... Do you have any other moonshines other than the apple pie? Or is this oh, the yeah. So we have peach, elderberry, um, Wait, mango. like elderberry from like Monty Python and the Holy Grail elderberry? <laughs> no. <laughs> like the actual fruit elderberry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, peach, mango, elderberry. Um, we have a vanilla whip, which is actually based off of a Tennessee moon pie. It's got some uh, toasted marshmallow and some graham cracker flavor in it. And then we have a jalapeno lemon, which is a clear. We actually crush up fresh jalapenos and fresh lemons and put it in the mash. Um, so you get all the jalapeno and lemon flavors and that's it. That is great. It's pretty cool. I can't wait to come up and try some of those. It, it's not often that I will sit here. You know, normally the shine that we're drinking comes out of Appalachia. Yeah. And it's proofed a little bit higher. Yeah. But it doesn't have the uh, cinnamon stick in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot clearer. Yeah. Um, this stuff's good. It's fun. You know what I mean? No, it's super fun. And we were doing something where we were making, before we even uh, started recording, we were taking the apple pie moonshine and we were putting it with the sweet feed spirits. And then we were taking anything that Zeke... So we're still at Zeke's house, by yeah. the way. If you guys Zeke, have made it. Zeke, I wish I could have met you. No, you will. I'll meet you at some point. It's cool. You will. But the we, <laughs> we raided his fridge. Um, and we saw whatever the renters left. So we took some pineapple <laughs> juice, some tonic water. Yeah. We were mixing all these together. It, I'm telling you, if you mix that apple pie moonshine with the sweet feed spirits and then just put 
some sort of juice in there. If, I put yeah, tonic water awesome. to get a little fizz in there. Um, we could have even got crazier. There were limes and lemons in there. Yeah, I'm telling you, the, uh, the, the one of our best cocktails is the sweet feed, the apple pie, some pineapple OJ, and a little bit of um, cider, apple cider. That's it. I can't wait to get up there. Tell everybody where you are. Tell everybody how they can get uh, a hold of you. And then we need to make sure that we schedule something again with you because you got to come back. Yeah, definitely. So we're uh, if you if you're heading out of Nashville, going towards Clarksville on 24, get off on exit 24, and you'll see all the signs. We're right there. Uh, www.leatherwooddistillery.com, and we're on Facebook and Instagram. So if you are listening and you are not in Middle Tennessee, which I know a lot of you aren't. We'll be in one of the online stores in October. Perfect. And once we know, once we know, we'll make sure we get that out there. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for coming. It's it's been a pleasure. Uh, We hope people also find us. Go while Zeke is gone. Tonight's a perfect example. Uh, Zeke is not on the show tonight, but Zeke and I are going to be interacting in our Facebook group now. So go ahead and find not our page, not not the Dad's Drinking Bourbon Facebook page. We do have a private group, Dad's Drinking Bourbon. That's where Zeke and I are going to go live with each other. We'll still give each other hell. Uh, I know that I would miss him every week if I didn't see him. So go ahead and join the Dad's Drinking Bourbon Facebook group. We are on Facebook. Our regular page is at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. We are on Twitter at Bourbon Dads. We're on Instagram at Dads Drinking Bourbon. We're on all your favorite podcast providers, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Podknife, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You name it, we're on it. We're on YouTube. It's an audio version only. Whatever way you're listening to us, leave us a five-star review. If you don't like us, reach out to us and tell us why. We'll try to get better before you actually blast us on your review Other than that, you can find us in Nashville, Tennessee. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Andy, thanks again for coming. I'll probably have another special guest next week while Zeke is being a dad for the second time. So, Yeah, awesome, Zeke, man. I wish you were here, but I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. So, peace out. Cheers. Cheers.